Welcome to Coffee House. We are talking about the article. The article, I promised, The 30 Tyrants, a very important one, especially today. It was published in 2-3-21. That is February 3rd, 2021, pretty recently. The subtitle is The Deal That the American Elite Chose to Make with China Has a Precedent in the History of Athens and Sparta. The reason I sound forlorn in introducing this particular piece is because it's pretty scary. It's a little terrifying. <laughs> Generally, it'll take a bit to make me feel disconcerted, but this is um, seriously concerning. So it begins talking about Niccolo Machiavelli, the prince. He has some notes about how to treat those defeated in war. Number one, you can ruin them. Number two, you can rule them directly. And number three, you can create, quote, therein a state of the few which might keep it friendly to you, end quote. And Machiavelli references Sparta defeating Athens. So Sparta, I mean, you've certainly heard of this dynamic. Sparta had a system in lieu of democracy where the military aristocracy ruled over a permanent servant class, the helots. And they were periodically slaughtered as a way to condition them into accepting their subhuman status. Now, the government that was put in place after Sparta defeated Athens was disloyal to Athens' laws and hated its traditions, and they were called the 30 Tyrants. So we begin with the American elites. Thomas Friedman actually documents the exact moment during Obama's first year where the elites decided to, that democracy wasn't working for them. So this is important. This was just in the beginning because they had this groundswell of support at the time of Obama's inauguration that they got to use this presidency in a bunch of different ways. And it was at this time that the elites in this country, in America, decided they wanted to modify the way democracy worked. And so instead of the elites being kind of aligned with the Republican Party, they decided the Republican Party no longer had enough to offer. Of course, the Republican Party would offer things like low taxes and other tax incentives for doing this or that and low regulations. Those are kind of the generic things that elites might look for. But so they migrated to the Democratic Party to use it instead. And spoiler alert, we end up with a kind of merger between the biggest, most powerful companies in the world and the mechanisms of government in the United States. But that doesn't tell the story. The story is about where China fits in here. So China ascends to the World Trade Organization in 2001, and it became a source of power and wealth for these elites individually. So the question is, why did they trade with an authoritarian regime and impoverish working Americans by sending millions of American manufacturing jobs to China? It's because it made them rich. This has been something in the making for decades. That's why it is so disconcerting. Then we get Trump, and Trump is a big wrench in the whole system. The connections between China and the elites in America start to become lucid. This is typified by, like, the NBA, where... They have a $1.5 billion contract with the digital service provider Tencent, which is a Chinese firm, and was the league's biggest partner outside of America. Now, anybody who was paying attention would have noticed what was going on with the players in the NBA around that time. LeBron himself even reproached an NBA exec for tweeting in support of Hong Kong, the freedom of Hong Kong. Of course, him being dubbed King James would be certainly apt for this situation. So Trump started pressuring all these elites by separating from China, holding China to task, and trying to return jobs to the United States. But by this time, uh, this CCP operatives are dug in. And I'm not talking about spies all over the place. I'm sure they've got plenty of those. But it's kind of more dangerous than that. 
So in like think tanks, all the most prestigious think tanks and research institutions in the United States, institutions like the Atlantic Council, the Center for American Progress, the East-West Institute, the Carter Center, the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies, the Brookings Institution published a report funded by Huawei, a Chinese company, that praised Huawei Tech. All of these think tanks and research institutions get funding from the CCP. And of course, you'd love to believe that they are simply objective interveners when it comes to the actual objective questions of fact and argument, but uh, that is not particularly likely. The CCP also gave $58 million to Stanford. This was alarming to U.S. law enforcement, which warned of Chinese counterintel to steal sensitive research at the university. Harvard and Yale systematically underreported gifts from CCP members. In June 2020, a Harvard professor was indicted for lying about a $50,000 per month job that he was doing on behalf of China to, quote, recruit and cultivate high-level scientific talent in furtherance of China's scientific development, economic prosperity, and national security, end quote. So this is the problem. We have a bunch of elites in this country who are plugged in and manipulated by, funded by, and otherwise directed by CCP influencers. Then we get the pandemic, and the pandemic is used by the anti-democratic elite to demoralize Americans, to lay waste to small business, to leave them vulnerable to rioters, to keep children from school, to keep you away from dying relatives, to defame the country as systemically racist, and all the while be able to say that Americans just deserve everything that they're getting. One thing, and this is me, not the article talking, but one thing that I had seen actually recently is that most of the riots that occurred happened in opportunity zones that were upcoming areas that were primarily owned by black business owners. And what happened is that you had a lot of these elites that would swoop in and buy up this property after it had been, you know, demolished by the people in the area based on all the false narrative related to police brutality. So there could have been a very obvious background effort just to buy up a ton of property from mid-sized and small businesses in the area for a cheap price. Anyway, back to the article. The job was to boost coronavirus casualties in order to defeat Trump. Now, of course, anybody who was paying attention, they saw that the CDC representative explicitly said that she was having the statistics count anybody who happened to have COVID-19 at the time of death. It doesn't matter whether it was a cause or not. It was just they happened to have it. But the China class, this elite China class, rode the media tsunami of Trump hatred and used it to their benefit throughout this whole process. This has deeper roots even in history, where you have Kissinger, who laid the foundation. You have William Cohen under Bill Clinton, who paved the way for China to get most favored nation status and become a cornerstone of the World Trade Organization. And you'll recall, this is me again talking, that just before the election, there was this video that was released where this Chinese oligarch said that they had people at the highest level of America until Trump showed up. Another one of those videos that uh, was you know, sorely repressed on the various social media sites. But it's certainly telling. Back to the article. It started with Clinton in 1994, a decision to decouple human rights from trade status. So instead of not doing business with people who had human rights abuses or countries that had human rights abuses, he decoupled that so you could still do it. And that was, uh, you know, an early step in the long road to where we are today. And speaking of today. The companies allying with China include Ford, FedEx, Honeywell, Qualcomm, and financial institutions like Citigroup and Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. 
The Marriott Hotel had an employee fired because he liked a tweet about Tibet that was trying to be supportive of Tibet. Hollywood, obviously. I mean, that one's... Everybody should know at this point. Disney edited the Star Wars poster. They got rid of John Boyega, so it would be more palatable to Chinese audiences. They changed scripts for China, changed locations for places so it wouldn't offend China. And even in the most recent Top Gun sequel, they had to remove patches on his jacket that had references to Taiwan and Japan. And this time, it wasn't just so it could enter the Chinese market, but they demanded that it not be shown anywhere in the world. Other companies, Apple, Nike, and Coca-Cola, all lobby against the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. There was an Australian study as well that found that Nike, Adidas, Gap, Tommy Hilfiger, Apple, Google, Microsoft, and GM all were complicit in the forced labor that's used by China. So the news, how do they do this? They cover up for all this nonsense. Information about China like this that we've been talking about, as well as intellectual property theft and congressmen being compromised like Eric Swalwell, who was sleeping with a Chinese spy, have been stifled by the media. Anything like it is called pro-Trump propaganda. At least it was. It might still be. The CIA itself even protected Chinese efforts. There was this analysis that was going to come out where a number of internal representatives bullied the other analysts to downplay the Chinese influence in the American political system. And curiously, the CIA's information is actually on AWS. That's the Amazon Web Services. So where CIA, the CIA keeps its information is actually owned by the number one distributor for China. This gets even worse. In January of this year, the Chinese energy giant Zhenhua took advantage of a weak Iraqi economy by paying $2 billion for a five-year oil supply of 130,000 barrels of oil per day. So they stand to benefit dramatically if oil prices should go up. And I probably don't have to detail that anymore if you have any questions about whether our government has been doing things that would cause the oil prices to go up. Now, lockdowns themselves hadn't been used before in Western civilization because they are considered a tool of political oppression. But of course, they are just wantonly being used now. Questions about the origin of the virus, you know, people who had questions about where it originated, whether in a lab or the wet market, and a lot of people who said that it most likely came from the lab. The Washington Post, which happens to be owned by Jeff Bezos, look at that, called questions like that, quote, fanning the embers of a conspiracy theory, end quote. So the current administration, the Biden administration, the Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, and the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, both worked at a firm called WestExec. And WestExec scrubbed its work that it did on behalf of the CCP shortly before the election. Colin Call was tapped for the Pentagon. He worked at an institute at Stanford that was twinned with Peking University, and Peking University is a school run by a CCP spy chief. Those are just a couple of the Biden administration picks that have uh, some curious ties to China. So the author says, what seems clear is that Biden's inauguration marks the hegemony of an American oligarchy that sees its relationship with China as a shield and sword against their own countrymen. Now, the 30 tyrants murdered 5% of the Athenian population. Luckily for them, their rule only lasted less than a year. So we'll see how, how four years does. So, okay, I'm going to shift into my discussion here. Uh, to deny the situation whole cloth would just be ludicrous at this point. 
it's really concerning. There are a lot of things that are a problem here. There were a lot of things coming out while Trump was still in office that were allegedly being investigated by the Justice Department and the FBI. But there's certainly no reason to believe that those organizations are uncompromised. And there are some very concerning, very dangerous things that are going on right now. If it were the other way around, like say if there had been a Republican in office or Trump in office, and there had been even a whiff of illegal warrants obtained to spy on his rival's campaign, I mean, it would have been the story of the century, and nobody would have shut up about it. But the other way around, and it's just, shh, be quiet, nobody talk about that. So there's this larger question about how democracies compete with oligarchies or dictatorships. And we're in a space where, you know, there is this competition and we have to figure out whether we're going to be able to compete. Because obviously democracies turn like a slow barge where the CCP can marshal all of its population's resources to fight everybody else in the world. It just feels like a new world, just in general. Previously, historically, we'd have religious dictatorships who didn't have the technological or sociological or economical maturity to actually be a rival. But that's certainly not the case when it comes to the CCP. So CCP is excellent at isolating its population since the internal population is actually the greatest threat that it faces. And the way that they do that, the way that they isolate people is terrifying when you read direct stories about that. And the biggest thing that sticks out to me is that the more technologically advanced nations become, the more inaccessible power will be to the average citizen. So, you know, it was one thing back in the day when you could have a militia, they've got muskets and the army has muskets too, and maybe a couple of horses. But it was one thing back then where there was more parity. It's another thing when they can snipe you from a orbiting satellite... (laughs) And not even beyond that, they have a million other ways to make your life a living hell before they even take you out. So, I don't know. I'm not sure even how to do it. The only thing, it's one step at a time. It's organization. It's getting people aware of what's going on. And there have to be whistleblowers in these organizations, just like that is happening with, which I love seeing, with places like Google and Facebook and Twitter, where you have internal dissonance. You know, a lot of people who are very good at their job who are coming out and fighting against the practices that are going on. We need that in the DOJ, the FBI. We need that in administrations and local administrations. And we need to organize and gain power the old-fashioned way to make sure that we have enough to be able to fight against this stuff. It's uh, shocking. I mean, some things that people were saying before Biden's election, they said that coronavirus cases would start just plummeting, and they have been. I mean, just ridiculously. Nobody's reporting on it yet, but it's been insane how much they've been plummeting. They said that we'd get right back into the military-industrial complex, and Biden just, you know, within the last couple of days, bombed Syria without congressional authorization. And... When you take into account all the many, many things that Biden has already done that happened to benefit the Chinese, it's uh, really concerning. So this is going to be a, a crucible period in the history of the American experiment, and we'll see if we get through it. But anyway, this is The Coffee House. I really appreciate you listening, and I will see you on the next one.